Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to yet another entertaining chat. This time joining me is Chicago native, podcaster extraordinaire, fan of the wars, fan of Chicago Blackhawks, and many, many other things, Jimmy Mack. Jimmy, <laughs> thank you for joining me. Nathan, you covered a lot of bases there. Um, you know, you, you set us up by saying it's a very entertaining chat, so now all of a sudden I'm, I'm feeling pressure. Oh, I'm no pressure. pressure. I have to entertain here, so <laughs> I'll well, do my best. You know, it's not necessarily about this conversation being entertaining, but what drives you to entertain outside of this conversation? So there you go. All right. Well, I'll try to bring a little bit of that spirit into this conversation so no one is left unentertained. <laughs> there you go. So, you go. so let's, let's talk about how people may know you first off. So you... For, let me start this way. I was first introduced to you a long time ago. Back, You were the first podcast, I think, that I actually listened to back in 2009. You were on a different show than you're on now that covered Star Wars news. And I'm a huge Star Wars fan, so I found that, listened to it, mowed my yard listening to you, drove the house, or drove back and forth from the work, it was an hour and a half drive, and you were able to entertain me on my way. Oh, that's, that's awesome. I've <laughs> been listening to you since then. But what do you do now? Like, how would people be able to listen to what you do now? Well, uh, very simply, I am a co-host of Rebel Force Radio, a Star Wars podcast that you can pick up on iTunes and just about anywhere else you get podcasts. And we do a weekly show, Rebel Force Radio, and... Um, We've created a network of Star Wars programming around our flagship show. I've been doing Star Wars podcasting with my co-host Jason Swank since 2006. We used to we were the original hosts of the Forcecast for the Force.net. Uh, we were the originators of the show. We were the uh, the guys who produced the show. Um, we did everything. That <laughs> was our show. You so, were lifeblood. So we thought. Uh, <laughs> it became clear to us it wasn't our show, so we decided to start up Rebel Force Radio because we didn't really understand what direction Star Wars was going in for many years. We very, very intensely covered the Clone Wars during its run mm -hmm. and um, became very familiar to the cast and crew of that show during that period. And... Um, and then all of a sudden, uh, the announcement was made that Star Wars was sold to Disney, and uh, they would be uh, producing new Star Wars films starting at the end of this year, and there'd be new Star Wars films coming out every year. So me and Jason, we decided to look inward. We decided to uh, consider the future, and we decided we wanted to face it head-on under our own terms, in our own home. So we created Rebel Force Radio, which was, I mean, basically, let's face it, it's just an extension of everything we were doing on the Forcecast. They've continued with the Forcecast with, um, you know, a revolving door of hosts over the years. But uh, basically, if, if you want to hear the essence of that show, it, it is Rebel Force Radio. Because like I said, me and Jason did everything there was to do on that show from networking and making the relationships with the people we needed to know and and uh, the Star Wars licensees and other industry types to uh, producing the show and hosting it ourselves and and put, we put a lot of sweat equity into that and and now we're doing it for our own thing and it, it's it's much more gratifying and um, it's just been better. It's just been a better experience since we went off on our own with Rebel Force Radio. And uh, we're working on a new website, rebelforceradio.com, that should be coming, gosh, in the early fall, I imagine. And uh, it's going to be a really cool website that's going to have everything you need to know about us. And you'll be able to find all of our shows there as well. So uh, that's, that's what we're looking forward to, and that's where you'll be able to find me. Excellent. So, you know, you, you talked about leaving, you know, and creating your own show. You had to be scared, right? You had to be really trepidatious, not knowing if it was going to succeed and what are we doing? Butterflies in your stomach type situation, right? How, how did that whole process work out for you and did it go better than you intended or how, how has it gone for you since then? Well, it was, yeah, it, there was a lot of trepidation. We were very nervous. We had spent 
six years with the force.net and we put a lot of sweat equity into the force cast. So it was really hard for us to walk away from that. We had built up a large audience and in essence, by removing ourselves from the force cast, we were starting at ground zero again. And so we had to ask ourselves, is it worth it? Number one, is it worth it? Because the force.net at, at the time, the Force.net was really the one and only place to go to find Star Wars news. And podcasting was so new that nobody really even understood what it was. But they wanted to have a podcast. They were, they were thinking progressively. Dustin Roberts, who is the uh, site manager there and a good friend of mine, he, um, he reached out and he found Jason Swank and Pete Nadel. And uh, they started hosting the show. Now, I had heard a previous version of the Force.net podcast, and I thought it's, it, it was not very good. <laughs> um, but when I heard Jason and Pete hosting the Forcecast, I heard the connection between the two of them. I noticed they had great chemistry. But they made a connection with me really quickly to the point where I said to myself, this could be a good way for me to get involved with the Star Wars fan community. It's something I always wanted to do, but I wasn't a cosplayer. I wasn't an artist. I didn't write fanfic. I wasn't into building websites. I wasn't even really into posting on forums. But when the reality of podcasting showed up at my doorstep, I said, First, I was kind of snotty about it, and I, because like I said, I didn't like that first incarnation of the show. I thought it was amateur hour, and I didn't want to have anything to do with it. But I have this passion for radio broadcasting and radio production, and it's something I've done since I was a teenager professionally. I mean, it's, it's paid my bills for the last 25 years working in radio. So... When I saw the opportunity to cross my passion of radio broadcasting over to my passion of Star Wars and be able to give back to the fan community that had given so much to me over the years, I, I jumped at the chance. So I realized I could contribute to their show. And uh, I reached out to uh, Jason and Pete and uh, Dustin Roberts was also looking at the Forcecast emails at the time. I think he still is looking at those emails. Um, but uh, he intercepted my email. I don't think Jason and Pete wanted anything to do with me. They were like, oh, who's this guy? Yeah, right. You know, you know how it would be. I mean, you have a podcast, so you get it up off the ground, and you start getting feedback from listeners, and you think it's really cool, and you're on your way. Now, imagine if all of a sudden some cocky guy from Chicago pops up and says, hey, I can, I can show you how to do it. That's not really what I was. That's not really what I was doing, but I had the feeling like they were going to receive me that way. So I was prepared for it. And, um, and I sent some samples of some production work I've done concerning Star Wars and some interviews I had done that were broadcast here in Chicago on CBS radio and at the loop radio station. And, um, just, you know, just some stuff I collected over the years because I was working on radio shows. And so if there was a lineup for the new star Wars film, I would be the first guy to say, Hey, I'll go out there with the cell phone or I'll go out there with the microphone and I'll talk to the people lined up. If they wanted fan reaction coming out of revenge of the Sith on opening day, get the fan reaction. I I'd be the guy who'd always say, I'll do it because heck I was going to be there anyway. Right. <laughs> uh -huh. Two birds with one stone. So I had always been interested in combining those two passions and stuff. So I had some material at the ready. I sent it into the force cast. Uh, it caught Dustin Roberts' attention, and he thought that I would be a good addition to the show. And uh, Jason and Pete, I think, reluctantly accepted my services at first. But uh, a few months later, uh, the thing that I really wanted to uh, do was was make an impact on the fan community so I would know people by the time Star Wars Celebration 4 rolled around in Los Angeles. Mm. I thought it would be cool to know a few people there. So um, that, by the time that did finally roll around, me and Jason and Pete Nadel, we were clicking. With, there was a huge chemistry between the three of us. I was hosting shows we called Microcasts. And they were out on the force, the, yes, the force cast feed uh, along with the weekly show, which I produced then I, I took on the mantle of producer and kept producing the shows, meaning um, applying editing when necessary, 
giving the guys production to use, uh, booking guests, finding stories, enhancing stories with audio, things of that nature. So I did that up until summer of 2008. Pete Nadel decided he was going to step down. He was going to get married and start a family. And uh, he wasn't really able to give the podcast the sort of attention he felt like it deserved at the time. Uh, Me and Jason talked about it, went back and forth a bunch of times. Uh, I finally threw my hat in the ring and said, well, you know, whatever, I'll step in for Pete. And uh, we didn't make any announcements about it or anything. It was just Pete signed off one week, and then the next week I was there. And, um, you know, I think it might have been a rough ride for our listeners at first. Uh, It was a rough ride for me. (laughs) But but that was 2008, and here we are seven years later talking about it. So we did something right along the way. And the thing is, is it's so easy to slide in there with Jason Swank because he's just, he's a great broadcaster. He's a great communicator. He's, he's a great conversationalist. And so building chemistry with, with a guy like that is, is for a guy like me, relatively easy. Um, but me and Jason do, um, we do see each other eye to eye on a lot of things. A lot of things were completely opposites on, um, but, uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been a long road here for us to get to where we are now with Rebel Force Radio. And it was hard to give up on the Forcecast because we had put so much into it. Mm-hmm. But the opportunity to create our own thing was there, and we realized the timing was right. The timing couldn't have been any better. Thank you. <laughs> and so we just, so we went for it, you know, we just said, what the heck, let's just do it. Also, I was afraid that there were going to be a lot of other podcasts jumping into the ring at the same time and that the uh, podcast pool would become a little bit diluted with so many new podcasts. And I was right about that too. Um, about a year after we started Rebel Force Radio, we saw Star Wars podcasts on iTunes double. Hmm. And uh, so now there's, there's, I mean, literally hundreds of them. Yeah, there are. Uh, and so, so it's a struggle to, to make sure that what you do is relevant and evolving while still staying true to our roots as fans. So, I mean, we have all these things running through our heads when we're trying to start the new show. Tons of trepidation, tons of fear. Um, the thing is, is that I find it's really hard to reinvent yourself and... You know, I'm talking beyond Star Wars. I'm talking more probably on the grounds as a radio producer mm-hmm. uh, to take an existing an existing property, let's just say, our version of the Force cast, an existing property, and then to reinvent it into Rebel Force Radio. You know, not changing everything, but just to to evolve it and see it evolve into something new. Um we were, you know, there, there was, of course, butterflies in our stomach. Would it work? You know, mm-hmm. would, it, would it be there? Would we be fresh enough to satisfy new listeners and yet still remain true to the people who would support us from the beginning? So I, I think we got lucky. We, we found the, the right blend. And uh, I, I don't think we, we really changed too much. Probably at first we were more willing to try different things. I, I think we've really settled in our groove now, and uh, it all just feels like an extension from the Force cast, really, at the end of the day. Um, we wanted to make sure that we didn't uh, upset the guys from the Force cast or from TFN, I should say, um, and Rebel Scum. Those are the guys who the guys who own that, own the Force cast. Um, we didn't want to make them mad. I, you know... For as hard as you try, sometimes you know things fall through the cracks. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So there were there were there was a couple sticky uh, situations there on the way out, but um, you know if, if there was any sort of uh, bad feelings still on deck after it's all been said and done, I, I I personally don't have any. I don't think those guys do either. I I'm pretty sure we've buried the hatchet with each other several times over and over again. By the time I saw. You know, just to, to put a, a face to the site, I'm going to say Dustin Roberts because he's been there the longest. Um, you know, I saw him at, at the last Star Wars celebration. We were in the Rancho Obi-Wan exhibit. Steve Sansweet and Ann Newman, who uh, run Rancho Obi-Wan, they're, they're close mutual friends of mine and Dustin. I, I saw Dustin there, and, you know, the first thing I could do was just, you know, give him a big bear hug. And, you know, it's, it's it doesn't matter, you know, if we're 
working together on the same website or not. You know, it's it's our, our friendship and our bond through Star Wars that basically is uh, stronger of any sort of like website politics or any situation like that. So mm-hmm. all in all, it's it's for the best. Uh, the Force.net, they're still kicking along and uh, we got our thing and it's uh, stronger and bigger than ever before. And so I think everyone's pretty satisfied and happy as we're rolling into, like I said, this new era of Star Wars with The Force Awakens coming out at the end of the month. Year. If it was the end of the month, I'd be ecstatic. <laughs> oh, oh and, I, and then I just swore. I don't know if I could swear. <laughs> end of the year. Well, you know what? Each month to me feels like a year as I'm waiting for this film to come out. You <laughs> yeah. know? And, and and can we make it there spoiler-free? Now, I don't know you, you very much, Nathan, but I, I don't know how you where you stand on the spoilers. I dove in head first, and then all of a sudden... Star Wars Celebration in Anaheim happened, and we got that second trailer. And I said to myself at that second trailer, I'm like, for this moment in time, I have all I need to have. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to spoil myself anymore with this film. And it's it's like, I don't, I, I don't even want to. The desire to look at spoilers isn't even there. Mm-hmm. Even though I was, I was looking into everything at first because I thought, well, my position is host of Rebel Force Radio. I need to know all the Star Wars news that's you out. You need to be in the trenches, right? I need to be in the trenches. And uh, I've never been a podcast host during a movie year. There were no podcasts, really, when uh, Revenge of the Sith came out. They, there were a few of them. That's when it was just starting. Well, you were a host when the uh, Clone Wars animated movie came out. Yeah. That's, Come on now. That's it was different. released in the theater. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But that's different. I mean, that's just... Animated television does not compare. <laughs> no medium of Star Wars comes close to the celluloid version. You know, the mm-hmm. silver screen. No, nothing comes close. And I know there are a lot of Star Wars fans who like to think that they are. And, you know, maybe on a fan-by-fan basis, any sort of medium has a certain amount of impact on them as a fan. But for me, it the movies come first and foremost. No book, no comic book, no animated show, even though the Clone Wars came close. And God knows I love the Clone Wars. And I supported the Clone Wars like they were my children going through Little League, you know? Yeah, you um, led that charge to save it. I Yes, thank you. I was the first one who ever... Listen to me. I, I really sound so full of money. <laughs> but I was the first one to hashtag save the Clone Wars. And people are like, yeah, what's your problem, man? Save it from what? Save it from haters like you? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> haters like me. Or people call me Chicken Little. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. Uh, I don't know. It, it was, you know, just like through my friendships at Lucasfilm, I was, I was hearing a lot of behind-the-scenes word. And, um, and I, I, it was just like... I was asking some people, is this the time? <laughs> Should we go? Should we start saying stuff? And yeah, it was. And I, the thing is, yeah, sure, the show did get pulled off of comedy or uh, uh, Cartoon Network. But yet they did release the sixth season, The Lost Missions. They put that out on Netflix, which is, now everything's like this blessing in disguise. Mm-hmm. I think it's because of the fan outpouring of support for the Clone Wars and our letter writing campaign. Kathleen Kennedy actually sent out letters to people who wrote her on behalf of the Save the, Save the, the, the Clone Wars campaign. She actually responded to people who wrote her. You know, she's been nothing but a class act, I think, since she took over that position. That's a perfect way to put it. Class act all the way. All the way. I mean, and and her, you know, I thought she was a very interesting personality. It was, uh, gosh, it was the Memorial Day right before it was announced that she was going to be taking over Lucasfilm. I think that's right, the Memorial Day. But I was watching Jurassic 3. (laughs) I was watching it. Not the best display. (laughs) Hey, I like that movie, okay? And so... Uh, we we just did a little series on that before Jurassic World came out, and that was my least favorite of those. <laughs> well, I don't know. I you know what? I actually like it a little bit better than uh, two. But okay, so this is not about Jurassic though. This is about Star Wars. So I was watching Jurassic Three on Spike, and they were breaking in for commercials 
like every five minutes. It was madness. And I finally said to myself, I stood up with defiance, and I said, you spike, I have the Blu-ray. So I popped in the Blu-ray. I queued it up to where I wanted to watch the movie, and I watched the end of the movie. And afterwards, I, I decided to dip my toes into the behind-the-scenes features on the disc, and there's Kathleen Kennedy. She keeps popping up, talking about working with Steven, talking about the special effects of the film, talking about the previous ones. And I just, something hit me. It was like, wow, wouldn't she be an interesting person to have in the Star Wars fold? Wouldn't it be great if Lucasfilm could grab her? It was so random. It was just like this fleeting emotion that I had where it just seemed like all the stars in the universe lined up. And I, I was just like, yeah, I figured it out for George Lucas. And wouldn't you know, <laughs> he was a few steps ahead of me. He already had her in his crosshairs. But uh, I think it would have been great if you would have said, man, isn't she like the fulcrum for Lucasfilm? She's the fulcrum. Yeah, I stood up <laughs> in defiance. I said, you... Spike TV, I'm going to watch the fulcrum. <laughs> no, it didn't go down quite that way. But, um, but so like Kathleen Kennedy, she's been amazing. And, and why did we start talking about KK? Um, we were uh, discussing, oh, th- so she wrote all these people back who wrote her for right. the uh, mm-hmm. Save Clone Wars. And so I strongly believe that that outpouring of support made season six and the lost missions possible. And thus, it opened the door for the Netflix agreement. And the Netflix thing has been incredible for the Clone Wars and the legacy of the Clone Wars because of the fact that so many people are into binge-watching TV shows nowadays that they find once they start watching season one of the Clone Wars, they want to just burn through the whole thing. So it's brought a lot of new fans into the fold, especially fans who felt put off by the Clone Wars because of the theatrical release or for whatever reason, they didn't like Ahsoka. They, you know, they had a thing against Zero the Hut. I don't know, but <laughs> they just didn't give it the chance. And that's a show that as you watched it, it really grew into something pretty incredible and definitely worthy of its place in the full Star Wars saga. Yeah. So the Netflix thing has been incredible. Somebody wrote me and they're like, hey, uh, I'm a little I'm a little ticked off at all these new fans who uh, binge watch The Clone Wars and all of a sudden they're preaching how good it is when I've known about it since 2008. And I'm just like, well, relax, relax. I, it's good for the franchise to have this sort of support with the repeat viewings of The Clone Wars. And it's something they wouldn't have gotten outside of Netflix if, say, they just put the show into syndication. It wouldn't have gotten that sort of attention. And it just shows you the, the, the way that the landscape is changing so much in the way that we, we consume media these days. It, it's, it's really incredible. It's like, what's next? You know, What is going to be the next big thing to shake it up? Mm-hmm. And how does it affect Star Wars? <laughs> exactly. Well, hey, before this divulges into another episode of Rebel Force Radio, because I know we could talk Star Wars all day. Oh, let, yeah. Let's talk about a little something else. So you mentioned this. Uh, a little bit ago, when we were talking about creating Rebel Force Radio, and you talked about expanding, right? And you do a lot more now than just the weekly show with Jason. So there's something else that you started that I absolutely adore called Star Wars Oxygen. Can ah. you tell us a little bit about what made you want to start doing that show with David W. Collins? Well, um, me and David have been friends for a long time, and... Um... David, for people who don't know, he was uh, an audio producer for LucasArts. And uh, a lot of the great video games that you played from LucasArts uh, went through his studio at some point. And, um, and David also provided the voice of Proxy in Star Wars The Force Unleashed. And he's a pretty darn good musician and actor in his own right. Um, he can be seen on stage at Star Wars Celebration, hosting the digital stage, and he's just, what, just an all-around great guy. And throughout the years, our conversations off the air have often been about music. I'm a big music junkie, and David knows this, and he's a big music junkie, and I know that. So 
Uh, we, we talk a lot about music, and uh, he had discussed with me at one point about doing a podcast about the uh, 90s rock band King's X. He was interested in doing some sort of show about them. I, I don't know what it was. Kind of out of left but, field, right? Well, yeah, he's a big fan of theirs. <laughs> so I, uh, I uh, said, well, you know what? When you're ready to make it happen, let's make it happen. And um, it was interesting, about six months after we started Rebel Force Radio, I started to consider the potential of building a network of Star Wars programming that Rebel Force Radio could present on our feed. Something uh, me and Jason Swank had always talked about was having a show for fangirls. So I approached some friends of mine and said, Hey, you guys, uh, Trisha Barr, and Teresa Delgado, you guys are two of the biggest, um, most vocal supporters of fangirls in the community. You guys should do a show. So I got them off the ground. My friend, Paul Bateman in London, he's a, he's a film, uh, professional concept artist. Uh, he's been an extra in more famous films than, I could even count. He was actually in Revenge of the Sith. And um, Paul knows a lot about the history of Star Wars. With the time difference between Chicago and London, the only time he's really available for podcasting, when you think about our schedules, is over the weekend. So I said, well, I'm going to take some time over the weekend to talk to Paul and record a podcast with him. And that grew into a show called Star Wars Influences. So now I start to see the pins beginning to fall. And I remember David Collins and his interest in doing a podcast. So I, 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 it was right about this time when I started these new shows. I think I might have dang, you know what? This, this is kind of a fuzzy memory for me because I don't think anybody's asked me, ever asked me how did it start. <laughs> so I'm trying to remember who initiated the conversation, if it was me or if it was David. But something tells me it was David. And he had maybe brought it up to me saying, I, I'd really like to do a show. You know, I'd like to release it on Rebel Force Radio where, you know, each show we can do a focus on the music of John Williams. So the first show will be A New Hope. The second show will be Empire Strikes Back. And I said, well, wait a second now. Number one, it's going to be hard to get through all the films in one show. So you got to you gotta let it breathe a little bit. So just <laughs> I say you keep doing the shows until you've exhausted the subject matter. And we should do it monthly. And you know what? This is great you're bringing this up. Because maybe, just maybe, I can find the... I, I pitched them on a bunch of names for the show. And, uh, you know, I know I said you got to let it breathe a little bit and that, it, you know, start mm -hmm. with some oxygen for sure. But um, I am going back through all of my emails with David back to, I believe we started the show in fall 2013. So I want to find the other names I pitched him on before I finally decided, hey, you know what? Uh, oxygen is the one to do. Um, while I'm doing that, though, I'll just explain to you what the show is. Basically, it, it's just what I said it is. It's using David's skills as a musician. He's classically trained. He studied music in college. He can play a number of instruments, and he really knows a lot about music theory and composition. So the, the show is basically use, leaning on David's vast intellect of music and Star Wars to get this analysis of the music of John Williams. Now, it's more than just music, though, because David actually ties it into the storyline which is something no one has ever done. Not only does David understand what makes a composition a composition, and he hears things and can break them down and analyze stories like nobody else, he also understands Star Wars on a, a very profound level. So he definitely knows how to bring it all back home. You know what I mean? He, mm -hmm. he ties it all into the way that the story unfolds. 
Oh, here we go. I think I found the email. Um, so we were going back and forth. Okay, let's see who started this. Okay, you know what? Yes. He says, um, I'm going to read this email. He says, this is what started the whole thing for Star Wars Oxygen. An email dated October 27, 2013. He says, Jimmy, I love, love that you're doing RFR specials like the Sam commentary, Sam where he does film commentaries with us. And the influences one with Paul was thinking about our musical conversation and started thinking that the holiday season would be a great time to do a star Wars music podcast, starting with F four. I could prepare clips of influences and we could discuss musical impacts of scenes, general chat, etc. I'll provide research and clips thoughts. <laughs> so yeah, right away I jump back. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Let's do this monthly. We need a name. So here are the names I came up with. In order. Star Wars jukebox. And oh, by the way, I'm putting these out in the public. You're not allowed to take them, okay? I these are all reserved copyright Rebel Force Radio. <laughs> I might need them someday. So I'm <laughs> I'm claiming these. I'm not giving these away. So here we go. Star Wars jukebox. Galactic funk. <laughs> Jedi Jams, Star Wars Sheet Music, Ugh. <laughs> Rebel Refrains. That's not bad. That's not bad. Harmony in the Force, Force Harmonies, Hyperspace Medleys. <laughs> and the last one is Star Wars Oxygen. <laughs> you know, Oxygen just fits so well. Well, see, the slogan, the oxygen of Star Wars, was coined by Paul Bateman on Rebel Force Radio to describe the music of John Williams. We were having a lengthy discussion on uh, the Clone Wars Roundtable, and we were uh, talking about why the producers decided to uh, refrain from including the music of John Williams in the show itself. Very rarely did the Clone Wars incorporate those famous themes that we know from the Star Wars soundtracks. Only in big moments, right? So Paul would, yeah, yeah, that's right. They were very careful about it. And, you know, I don't necessarily think that's altogether the wrong decision to make. I would have liked just a little bit more. So Paul referred to the music of John Williams. He said something along the lines of, yeah, you really need to have it in there. It's like the oxygen of Star Wars, isn't it? But the way Paul says it, yeah, you know, <laughs> so you really have to have it in there, you know, like it's really it's the oxygen of Star Wars, really. And so everyone just stops what we're doing. What did you say? Yes, the oxygen. And so it just stuck. And uh, so I pulled it out of my rear. Thank God I did. Otherwise, we'd be <laughs> hearing uh, Star Wars sheet music on Force Radio. Galactic Funk. <laughs> Galactic Funk. Well, now I stole that one from Miko <laughs> because his album was uh, Star Wars and other Galactic Funk. So I basically just stole that from him. But, um, but yeah, and it's, it's kind of fun for me to look through this thread of emails that was basically the genesis of Star Wars Oxygen. It's 24 emails here. It's pretty funny. So um, so uh, uh, the show itself, though, and thanks again for the kind words you've said about it, and I'll be sure to let David know, but the show itself has become totally the, 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 the second most popular show on our network. Um, it's really interesting to see some of the numbers that show has pulled down. Um, some of them rival, you know, even top-rated Rebel Force Radio episodes. They're very popular. The thing is, Star Wars Oxygen has such an amazing shelf life. Mm -hmm. You can jump on board from episode one at any given time. It's fresh, always, because we're talking about established material and material that you know and you love and you keep coming back to. So... For me, the show is really, and this is all David. This is, have, has nothing to do with me. I show up and I take David down a path to a certain place and then he goes, okay, okay, I know where I'm going now. Just follow me. And that's how I do it every month. And uh, he takes us on this journey where his analysis, his research, and the way he combines it with his, his knowledge of the Star Wars mythology, hands down, it is the most entertaining and enlightening analysis of the Star Wars soundtracks you'll ever hear. Mm -hmm. It's one of those podcasts that you listen to and you almost feel more intellectually enlightened after listening to it, if you know what I mean. Yes, and and you have a step up 
on the fan you were an hour previously. Mm -hmm. You say to yourself, I'm going to watch that scene in a whole different light, whatever scene from the whatever film we're talking about. There's always at least two jaw-dropping revelations that I have each show. And me and David, we don't discuss what's going on. Basically, when I sit down, I know, hey, this week we're going to be talking about Attack of the Clones. Let's see what he's got. Um, I really don't research anything. I leave that all up to David. He does it all himself. And the way he boils it all down and presents it is, um, you know, I, I think they should give him a special podcasting award just for that show. Yeah. And, you know, you talked about production earlier on this little chat. And that show is really, really well produced. I just want to pass that on. I don't know if you are the producer of that one. I think you might be or maybe David, but it sounds amazing. Well, thank you. Yeah, uh, David is the one who's firing off all the sounds. He's playing electric piano during the show live, um, sometimes to illustrate something he's talking about. You know, instead of just rewinding the recording, he'll go ahead and just play it on the piano. Um Yeah, it's all David. It's all David. I I might, you know, give it a little spit shine when it's over with, but uh, before we put it on the air, but uh, that show is uh, definitely a David Collins production. A David Collins joint. Yes. So let's let's step aside from Star Wars a little bit, totally. And with you and your podcasting prolific efforts, if you look at shotglassdigital.com slash about, you see your face right there. And then under it, you have a whole lot of other episodes that aren't even Star Wars under your name, like Bondcast, yes. Black Hawk Talk, uh, Shot Glass Digital Radio Network. So that's everything. You're obviously a producer of that. And then like Snyder Remarks Radio. So you have a lot more to talk about. Do, do, you, do you sleep? <laughs> that's a question that's been asked to me a lot. Um, <laughs> lately, I've been finding more sleep than I used to get. Um, but, uh, yeah, building all this stuff, there was a, a lot of, uh, you know, four-hour <laughs> nights of sleep. Um, now Shot Glass Digital, it does a good job running itself. Uh, for the first couple of years, it was a lot of hands-on work for me. Uh, me and Wendy did a show. Wendy's my wife. We did a show called Snide Remarks Radio. Wendy is a radio talk show host. And so I got her into podcasting. When her career was, um, she wasn't where she wanted to be. She was where she wanted to be, and then she wasn't. <laughs> you know, I mean, hey, that's broadcast radio, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she found herself doing news reporting when she's a talk show host, and it was just, you know, she had we have bills to pay, so um, so she was doing. A, she was on the air as a news reporter, and just wasn't finding fulfillment. And so I said, you should try podcasting. Podcasting would be a lot of fun. And so I thought I would get her on the road and she could do a weekly talk show and it would, you know, help satisfy her, um, you know, desires as a professional. And uh, it was, uh, it would, um, you know, be something that would make her happy. And so just to get her started, I co-hosted with her and, um, and wouldn't you know it, she got real comfortable with me in the co-hosting position. So <laughs> we, hosted, we hosted this show called Snyder Remarks Radio, which was basically, you know, a lot of times it was us fighting. <laughs> and it was really great. Man. There were cathartic moments during the show. Uh, sometimes we were drinking. but uh, more Those are my than, favorite kind of shows, when you, you drink, know, right? <laughs> my goodness. Um, I can't even listen to those anymore. But um, more than anything, we were laughing. And so it was a lot of fun to do. And uh, we did it for a number of years. We had a pretty strong following, especially here in the Chicago area. It was interesting to look at our download numbers because a solid half of them were strictly from Chicago. And then the other half were just from all over the place. And uh, so I I believe that we were getting a a huge chunk of the Star Wars audience, too. So I, I always thought, well, maybe, you know, half the people who are listening all over the country are people who are uh, fans of uh, our Star Wars podcast. So it was it was a lot of fun to do. It was it just kind of I, I don't want to say it died. 
but it stopped naturally because Wendy got offered the position to host middays at WGN radio here in Chicago. And WGN is this big time heritage radio station here in Chicago. It's over 90 years old and it's uh, the voice of Chicago. They call it the voice of Chicago for a reason. There's no radio station in town that's more influential than WGN. And you could hear Wendy on, uh, she's on the Wendy and Bill show. And that is, uh, nine to noon central. And you could hear it on WGNradio.com. They stream live and they do the podcast on iTunes and everything. So once Wendy got back into it like that, she didn't want to talk to me anymore. <laughs> so, you know, we still talk about bringing it back and I, I think we will eventually, but, uh, that was a show I did with her every week. And, uh, so, it's just when we decided to start Rebel Force Radio, the first thing we realized was we needed a home base. And so I was thinking much bigger and broader than just Star Wars. I was thinking as a radio programmer, and I wanted to have diversity. I believe in power in numbers. And so I wanted to create a website that would home the – it would be the, the house for uh, the podcast me and Jason Swank produce – the podcast me and my wife, Wendy, produce, and then a place for our friends to park their podcast, too. So we can all sort of, you know, build this this natural, growing snowball of a uh, podcast network. And so that's been going strong, shotglassdigital.com. We now have programming about, uh, you mentioned Blackhawk Talk. Uh, Blackhawk season is over. They're world champions. The thing about that show is... is um, I was working at a radio station with uh, two great guys, great friends of mine, Chicago radio veterans, Mark Zander and Mitch Michaels. And uh, the radio station was 95.9 The River. Well, uh, we were together every week talking about Blackhawk talk, Blackhawk hockey. And I said, (laughs) let's do let's do a show about it. Okay, so we came up with Blackhawk talk. And then uh, Zander went off in his own direction last year and I went off in my own direction at the beginning of this year. Mitch is still there. And uh, I haven't closed up shop on that one completely just in case we want to release something new, but I don't know how much longer Blackhawk Talk's going to be around. Um, it was just one of those things, you know, I did with two of my buddies at work every week. You know, we would just take a lunch hour on a Tuesday and record a show and bust each other's balls a little bit and just have a lot of fun. So unfortunately, I don't think Blackhawk Talks could be around much longer. Bondcast is going strong. Um, we miss, that's a monthly show. We miss a month here and there. Um, it's myself, Jason Swank, and Jonathan Wilkins from London. Jonathan is the editor of Star Wars Insider Magazine. And uh, sometimes it's we can only record on weekends. So you know how it goes. Sometimes it's just hard to find that free weekend to record a show. That is like a little passion project of ours. We had always threatened we would do a James Bond podcast, so we are. <laughs> and again, that's one of those evergreen shows. You know, it has a strong shelf life. You could jump on board Bondcast anytime. Basically, what we're doing is just analyzing each film in the order they were released. We do two episodes of roundtable analysis, and then we do a third show that focuses in on the uh, the soundtrack music for each film. So. Um, so that's what we got going there. And then a bunch of other shows. My good friend Steve Glosson, he has a whole pop culture network of podcasts called uh, Geek Out Loud. Uh, you can check him out on iTunes. I have um, a Doctor Who show there. I have a Disney show. I have, a, gosh, there's a movie show called Deuce Cast. These guys are fantastic. A great group of guys who have amazing chemistry talking movies from mostly from the past and uh, movies you like, which is uh, something that I always like from a a podcast that talks about movies. They have to be movies I like. Exactly. Something Uh, you wouldn't want to listen to it otherwise, right? Right. And they are shows that I want to listen to. That's the that's the only prerequisite. They have to sound good. They have to have a regular release schedule and it has to be something I like listening to. So and I know it right away when I hear a show. I haven't really been expanding the network too much because all of my focus podcasting wise and Internet wise has gone to Star Wars lately. I don't see that slowing down anytime as we ramp up toward The Force Awakens at the end of the year. Um, so I might even be downsizing my, my podcasting outside of Star Wars as 
because I'm telling you, it's it's when it hits in December, it's going to be a pretty uh, intense few weeks, if not months, for me. Mm-hmm. So I really want to um, have a clear head when it comes to Star Wars at the end of 2015, because uh, <laughs> it's going to be a roller coaster ride unlike any other. And and I hope I'm going to be in the uh, position to provide some really solid coverage from the opening and the premiere and everything else, the, the fallout, you name it. <laughs> want to be there. So hopefully there's no like fallout, but just accolades that follow. Oh, right? there'll be fallout. Oh, you know, there will be. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I really do appreciate you taking just a few minutes to, you know, sit down and chat with me uh, about your, your creations of the podcast and everything. And like I said, I don't know how you find time to sleep. I do this one little podcast with a couple extra specials here and there, and it's it's so it takes a lot of time to make a podcast. One of the most thankless things is probably the production and editing and just the time it takes to do that. And I I understand how long it takes, good sir. And you you uh, do an excellent job. Well, I really appreciate that more as radio professional than a podcaster, I got to be honest with you, because that's probably why I'm able to maintain the output is because when it comes to audio production, and I, and I will say this, I don't care if it makes me sound like overstuffed and bloated or what, but I know what I'm doing. It's, I've been doing radio production since I was 17 years old, back in the old days when we used to lean over a reel-to-reel deck with a razor blade and a grease pencil and some <laughs> splicing tape. And, you know, back in those days, I thought I was I was a wizard making magic happen. So, you, so by the time the digital age came upon us, I was cutting through audio like a hot knife through butter. And uh, when podcasting came along, I knew it was something I could put on my plate because because I have that, that level of speed and something that's always made me really proud as a podcaster is the fact that I jumped on board with the medium at a very early time podcasting. I mean, people don't even know, you know, you'd say, Oh, do you have an iPod? And people would be like, what's that? A car? You know, <laughs> nobody knew what iPods were. Nobody understood what podcasting was. It was just a playground for me. And back in those days, we had hundreds, not thousands, you know. Um, nowadays, it's a different thing, but I still have fun within the medium. And something that's always made me proud of the fact is I came in at a very early time mm-hmm. and I was able maybe to show some people, hey, look what you can do with this medium. Yeah. You can do this, you can do that, you can be super creative with it. You do, it's it, At first, people referred to podcasts as audio blogs, and I was like, ah, oh, there's so much more you can do with it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, you can do as little or as much as you want with the medium. But I was always into, hey, let's try to push the boundaries. And that's that's the, the same approach I've always taken with my radio career. I've taken with podcasting is let's try to push the boundaries and see how far we can we can force ourselves to come up with something different. And. I hope if if anything that I've done in the almost 10 years I've been podcasting is is show people that th- there's the potential within the medium to do some extremely creative things. Mm-hmm. And you think about podcasts, I mean, you've been doing it, like you said, for 10 years. But more recently, people have been kind of jumping on board because, you know, Kevin Smith, he started doing a podcast after you. Chris yeah. Hardwick kind of started his thing after you. Serial came along and made it a lot more popular i think but it you were on the ground floor and so that's a a pioneering effort i mean you kept the flag waving when other people might have let it die and look where it is today well the pioneers take all the arrows but uh (laughs) but you know it was funny because i was working within the radio broadcasting industry at the time when podcasting first started to pop up now the thing that radio broadcasters were most afraid of back then let's you know turn the clock back a decade they were most afraid of satellite radio because Howard Stern was making such a big stink about crossing over to satellite. And it was all happening about the same time podcasting came on the forefront. 
And I never understood how these these programmers were so afraid of telephones. Like the telephone is going to take over. I, how could this be possible? I can barely get a you know I can barely make a call downtown. How are phones going to take over? <laughs> Obviously, I knew nothing about iPods or iPhones on the horizon, but I did know a little bit about iPods. And uh, when you would mention things like podcasting to, to radio guys, at first they were like snotty about it, you know. Oh, it's amateur hour. I was the same way. But the funny thing happened was, you know, I'm, I'm always out. I'm always networking. I'm always meeting people. And I'm always passing my resume around. And I noticed that a lot of people were asking me about podcasting, even though it was listed like in the personal interest part of my resume all the way at the bottom of the page. And they kept asking me about it. And so I'm like, well, I'll put that thing up at the top of the page (laughs) because radio people felt so behind the eight ball. They felt like they had taken, they felt like they were taking punches from Howard as he was going over to satellite radio. And Howard was telling everyone why CBS left Howard on the the air to do this, but they did. Howard was telling us, come and join us, join the revolution, you know, death to uh, terrestrial radio. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they started calling radio terrestrial radio. I was like, (laughs) well, that's insulting. You know, (laughs) why do we get called something weird? Uh Um, um, But, um, and I've never bought that terrestrial radio thing. I don't think you hear that as much as you used to. Not as much, but, you know, satellite radio I don't think is as big as it was a few years ago. Quite well, honestly, I, I have a satellite radio in my car, but I don't ever use it. I use my iPod and, you know, listen to my own music podcasts. Right, right. Do you ever listen to broadcast radio? Ever? Very for rarely. Any? Honestly, just for weather. Yeah, like, if there's, okay. if there's a tornado or some bad weather, I'll turn to the radio. That's about it. Well, at least you still have some use for it. I mean, it's a very... <laughs> It's a very resilient industry. You know, people said that radio was going to die when television came on the scene. Radio didn't die. People said radio was going to die when when cars with 8-track tape players came out and radio didn't die. And it didn't die when cable came out. It didn't die when the internet came out. It didn't die when satellite radio came out. The advertising dollar has been stretched thin, but the industry is still... Relatively healthy, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't think radio will ever die. There will always be a need to have that. So it'll just change and adapt. But people in radio were just, you know, they were shell-shocked. They didn't know what satellite. Everyone was sure that satellite was going to just wipe out broadcast radio. And, and then here I am, you know, marching around. I don't talk about Star Wars on podcasts. And they're always like, podcast, podcast. People were like... Treat me like I, I had some disease or something, but uh, but yeah, soon enough they all started getting really curious about it, and um, and so I've uh, there's been a few instances, like a few hundred instances where I've taken what I've learned from producing podcasts for Star Wars fans. I've been able to take what I've learned there and apply it to broadcast radio that is run by multi-million dollar corporations. And I've been able to cross some of that knowledge over. So for me, I've grown so much as a broadcaster because of my podcasting. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a great experience just to have. So that way you can take that experience and share it out with, like you said, with your uh, radio as well. Yeah, and plus it's all mine, too. Yeah, exactly. Well, (laughs) I have one last question I would like to ask you. During all your time as a podcaster so far, what has been your most standout experience? What's the one thing, if you could say, I'm glad that I went down this path for this one thing that happened, what would that be? Well, you know, the big payoff for me was getting a phone call from Lucasfilm saying we would like you and Jason to host the behind the scenes stage at Star Wars Celebration. Did you just say yes immediately or did you like or did you just play it off like oh you don't have to check my schedule? <laughs> no, you know, it was it was actually um <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yeah, uh I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I mean like when is it again? Uh, uh, I don't know. You know, the Blackhawks are in the playoffs. Uh I don't know how I could devote my LA that time of year. I don't know, but it was it was it was great. Mary Franklin called us. Uh, she she wanted to make sure both of us were on the line at the same time, and it was just the tone in her voice 
when she said, we would like to offer you the behind the scenes stage at Star Wars Celebration. I mean, just the way she said it, she knew that she was giving us, you know, it was Christmas Day, basically, and she was Santa Claus. She knew that because... I mean, I've had just such a love affair with that event going back to Indianapolis and Star Wars Celebration 2. And that I covered for CBS Radio. And uh, like, I always wanted to have a purpose going to these events more than just being a fan. I always wanted to tie it in somehow to, you know, my professional life and everything. So I went to Celebration in Indianapolis with my brother. We drove from Chicago in 2002 and, uh, you know, we had a portable uh, recorder with us, a, p- a portable Tascam. It was analog. It used cassettes. <laughs> what are those? <laughs> <laughs> hey, when I first started podcasting, I was still using analog gear. Um, I had some digital stuff going on, but uh, I, I was still kind of analog guy. But so we went down there and we conducted a bunch of interviews with people and and just the panels and the celebrities and the the dealers and you know, I'm a star Wars collector and just it's being around all those people who knew and understood star Wars was huge and eye opening to me. And I developed this massive love affair with star Wars celebration. And so to finally being, you know, because of what I do in podcasting to then be asked to host a stage on behalf of Lucasfilm, uh, was, uh, was exactly what I always wanted, I guess. I, I never knew I wanted it that much until they gave it to me. And Did I you ne- think it might have been a possibility? Jason would sometimes say things like, why don't they ask us to host this? Or why don't, you know, and I was like, ah, who cares? Let's do our own thing, you know? So I think Jason felt like it was more of a possibility than I did. But I knew that we could I mean, there was never a doubt about that. And just, but Jason, I knew we could, but Jason was the one who always knew that we should. <laughs> if that makes any sense. And we were lucky to, to be able to do it in Anaheim. We, we were not locked in for any future Star Wars celebrations. If they want to go in a different direction for London, yeah, that's totally cool. I totally understand it. But uh, we, were, we were just happy to have that one opportunity in Anaheim. And I hope we can do it again. I definitely will do it again if I'm asked. Um, but uh, but uh, the, just that, that experience in Anaheim last April was uh, something else and something I'll never forget. And every once in a while, I kind of miss it. I miss my stage. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, well, you got to relive it just a little bit, right, when you went down to uh, Orlando. Oh, yeah, that was great. Well, you know, connecting with uh, – we had a, a listener meet and greet down at Star Wars Weekends at uh, Orlando at Disney Hollywood Studios uh, last month. And, uh, yeah, it was a great turnout. We had about 75 to a hundred people out there and uh, we all rode star tours and yeah, that's just a great, great way to connect with, with fellow fans as well. So I'll be doing again next year. So yeah, that's always good. That's always a little, uh, that helps the uh, celebration hangover a little bit, a trip to Orlando. Yeah. So what you might want to do next time they call you, if you know, uh, they offer you the position again, like, yeah, I, I would love to do it, but you know, we got this great, a couple of McCormick plays and uh, you know, Steven Center out here in Chicago. Why don't you guys come over to Chicago? Hey, that'd be a great idea. I, I think the Teamsters might intimidate them a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I would love to, I went out to Celebration 3 uh, back in, I don't remember what, it was Revenge of the Sith year. I think it was 2005. Uh, I don't remember what that was, but Celebration 3 Sorry. in Indianapolis. I love that because I could drive over there and back, but man, it's, it's difficult for a Midwesterner to get over to, uh, uh, to one of the coasts. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's definitely a commitment, uh, but uh, it's it's so worth it if you're a Star Wars fan. Well, I'll tell you what, Nathan, uh, the rock band has now entered into the basement, and I'm going to be getting chased out of my studio here in just a <laughs> minute. My son is a musician, and uh, tonight is a jam night, so uh, they're setting up right now, and uh, pretty soon we're going to get our ears blown out uh, with the sounds of Jimi Hendrix and... Uh, <laughs> You know, maybe some white stripes will be coming down. So I'm going to, unfortunately, I'm going to have to wrap this up. But That man, sounds good my, to me. Again, you asked a bunch of great questions. Yeah. And um, as you can see, I, I'm pretty easy. You put the nickel in me and just watch me go. <laughs> well, again, thanks for taking the time to chat with us. And uh, everybody can obviously follow you on the tweets and on the Facebooks of Rebel Force Radio. Uh, do a, a search for that and find Jimmy Mack and give him a follow. 
Awesome. Thank you so much, Nathan. Uh, great show you got. And uh, I, I look forward to uh, hearing much more from you in the future. Sounds good. Thanks again, man. All right, man. Bye. Bye. And thanks again to Jimmy Mack for taking some time and talking to us. You can follow him at Rebel Force Radio on Twitter as well as Jimmy Mack Radio. You can follow the show at Entertaining Pod, and you can follow me at Sith Nightmare, S-I-T-H-K-N-I-G-H-T-M-A-R-E. Thank you for listening. We hope that you have been entertained. <laughs>